Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Seems Like Diet Culture podcast. So grateful to have you here as always. And if you are new here, welcome. My name is Mallory Page. I am a registered dietitian. I am also the host of this podcast, which I created because I wanted to have a space where we could discuss nutrition, wellness, fitness, recovery, and so many other things from a non-diet lens. So much of what you encounter nowadays around these topics is riddled with diet culture, and I think it's only fair when trying to understand your perspective on something to gather multiple viewpoints rather than just the typical one, and I hope that in this podcast you're able to do that as well as decide how you want to interact with something and incorporate it in your life. And that's especially true for the podcast today because we are talking about reverse dieting. This topic feels nostalgic for me in a way that's not that great because if you know my story with an eating disorder, you may know that a lot of why mine started was actually because of an obsession with bikini competitors and fitness influencers online, many of which discussed reverse dieting. And so it's wild to see that reverse dieting has kind of come full circle and is being something that's discussed again. I know that it's been around throughout the entire time that, you know, I've been struggling up to now, but I think that the resurgence of weightlifting on social media and the presence of bodybuilders and bikini competitors and all of the really extreme fitness people becoming influencers on social media has led to this really increasing in popularity over the past couple months or maybe over the last year. And what's interesting is in this recent bout of popularity, we've also seen the concept of reverse diety leak into the anti-diet and recovery realm. So as you can imagine, there is so much to discuss. We'll go through what is reverse dieting, what the claims are, why it was created. We'll talk about the research or lack of research behind reverse dieting. We'll discuss the implications for someone in the fitness field versus someone that may just be coming out of a diet versus someone that may be struggling with an eating disorder or disordered eating. So lots to dive into. And we might as well just start it off, beginning with reverse dieting and what the heck it is. So if you've never heard of this before, it essentially involves slowly increasing your food intake after being on a low-calorie diet or restrictive diet. And the reason why people recommend this is because they want to, quote-unquote, avoid the weight gain that might come from returning to a certain calorie level too quickly. It is marketed not as a diet, but as a post-diet strategy, and it is really originated from bodybuilders, bikini competitors, and other people of similar sort in the fitness field. Now, the exact specifics of how someone goes about reverse dieting is often different from person to person. If you were to look it up online or ask someone about it, you're going to get a ton of different angles as to how people go about this. Some people increase calories in the form of carbohydrates. Others do it in the form of protein. Some do it by 
quite small increments. Some do it by larger increments. Some people eat at a quote-unquote level, which is basically a calorie increase for two weeks. Others do it for a week. Others do it for a few days. Some people do it for a month. There's just not a lot of specificity to it, and there's also not a cohesive end goal either. You know, there's not this place where everyone agrees, okay, this is the time when you can stop reverse dieting. And so this lack of specificity contributes to some of the challenge that we're going to speak about later in terms of validating the claims around reverse dieting. But before we even get into the claims, I think it's important to talk about the theoretical case for reverse dieting. Because as I was mentioning, it's not marketed as a diet. It's marketed as a quote-unquote solution to a problem. And you may be wondering then, okay, what's the problem that reverse dieting is trying to solve? Well, in short, the problem is the physiological adaptations that the person that has been restricting is experiencing. There are a number of different adaptations that someone can experience when they are under fueling and at a weight that is too low for their body. They are, of course, going to vary from person to person. They're going to vary on the length of time that this person has been in this state. But no matter what, we are always going to see a drop in total daily energy expenditure. Now, this term is often used interchangeably with metabolism. And this is very well backed by the fact that when we decrease calories, our body has to respond by decreasing metabolism. There's a lot of reasons as to why this is, but in short, it's a survival tool that is utilized to make sure that we are not overutilizing the food that we do have. Now, because of this, there are often other adaptations that can come about. When your body has to go into energy conservation mode in order to stay alive, other parts of your body are therefore affected. So someone with these type of decreases in their caloric range could experience increased hunger, decreased energy levels, lower libido, messed up hormones, and so many other things. Now these symptoms are very unpleasant and really no one wants to deal with these symptoms. But in the realm of bodybuilders and physique athletes, they pretty much know that it's a part of their gig because when they are going into competitions, they are required to be so lean that and use such aggressive dieting techniques that they are 100% without a doubt underneath a weight that is healthy for their body and underneath a calorie level that is healthy for their body. Now, the thing that's problematic about this is for your normal quote-unquote person that's not doing these type of competitions, they may, they may not understand that the weight that they're at is unhealthy for their body. But then also when it comes to these physique athletes and bodybuilders, even if they know that this weight isn't healthy for their body, they still may have a hard time wrapping their head around gaining weight. 
So what often happens is that the physique athlete or the bodybuilder is trying to reduce the undesirable symptoms, those physiological adaptations that they are having from being at that lean of a body or from restricting in such an extreme way without gaining any of the weight that they don't want or without having any of the body composition changes that they don't want. And as you can probably tell, this is where the theoretical strategy of reverse dieting actually emerged. It was created to hopefully help physique athletes get this best of both worlds post-competition recovery that seized all of these unpleasant adaptations from not eating enough and from being in too low of a body weight without having such rapid weight regain. Now, as I've mentioned, this whole concept was created within the fitness world. It wasn't created from some researcher that put it out there. So the initial basis for the idea of reverse dieting was completely theoretical. And the theories of this can get quite complicated. I actually want to direct you guys to an article that I referenced and will continue to reference throughout this podcast called Reverse Dieting, Hype versus Evidence by Eric Trexler that was done in September of 2022. He does an incredible job of diving super deep in this article onto all of the different areas of reverse dieting, including the theoretical basis and strategy for this. So I will have that linked in the show notes if you want to check it out. But in summary, this concept is based off of two main pieces of evidence. Number one, the evidence to support that metabolic adaptations and changes are driven by a loss of fat mass and also driven by the presence of an energy deficit. And then number two, the evidence to suggest that total daily energy expenditure increases during overfeeding. Putting these two things together, the theoretical hope is that by increasing calories gradually over time, it helps the body to adapt to that caloric increase. So you would be able to attain the total daily energy expenditure or the positive metabolic increases that you want alongside the caloric increase without gaining all of this weight that you do not want. And therefore, in this concept or the context of bodybuilders or physique athletes, they wouldn't have to make such extreme changes again for their next competition. Now, with this theoretical rationale, there have been some claims that have come out around reverse dieting, including but not limited to it being able to fix a damaged metabolism, fix damaged hormone levels, supercharge your metabolism more than if you had just jumped into a higher calorie level versus doing it gradually, and even claims that it will make future weight loss attempts easier and more successful due to the effects that it could supposedly have on your hormone levels. With all of this being said, I think it's pretty easy to see why reverse dieting is very appealing to someone that is in the fitness space 
why it's appealing to someone that's in the dieting space and why it's appealing to someone that's in the recovery space. It's essentially telling someone in the recovery space that you can recover from disordered eating without gaining a lot of weight or without gaining a lot of fat or even you can mentally recover from disordered eating while still living by a certain food framework and within a certain type of body. You can even extend that same mindset to the dieters that you may see or the fitness people that you may see, but I think the big motivator for those populations is this idea that they can maintain a certain type of body they want without the negative physiological adaptations from being in a smaller body or from being in a calorie deficit. And for those people that are dieters that may have damaged metabolisms, this promise promise of potential weight loss beyond what they're experiencing now while also eating more food is very, very motivating. But in order for this to be something that those people should actually explore, we need to discuss if the claims are actually true. So let's get into the research around the claims made by reverse dieting and whether there is truth or not in this theoretical proposition. The first thing that we need to note whenever we're talking about any diet, health claim, new medicine, or anything really in the science realm is that the only way to completely prove if something could be potentially effective is through a case control study and ideally even multiple case control studies. Now, if you don't know what that is, I would not have if I did not have to study it in school. It is where you take a bunch of people chosen randomly that are meant to represent the general population, split them into two groups, again at random, and then have one group who changes nothing, which ends up being your control group, and another group that engages in the thing that you're trying to test, which in this case would be reverse dieting, and then you compare the results of the two groups to try to establish a causal relationship. Now, unfortunately, there are no case control studies out there that support the efficacy of reverse dieting. There aren't really many case control studies or any studies really in general out there about reverse dieting at all. I would love to see more research on this in general because I think it will help to disprove or prove if someone can find actual correlations the legitimacy of reverse dieting, but there are still research studies that discuss the basis behind the theoretical ideas that support reverse dieting. So this study that was done in 2021 by Abdul Dulo titled Physiology of Weight Regain, Lessons from the Classic Minnesota Starvation Experiment on Human Body Composition Regulation, talks about the entire idea of metabolic adaptation. And it states that metabolic adaptation does exist, so that's a change in your metabolism, but not in the way that reverse dieting has you believe. The author specifically says, by adaptation, we generally mean simply a useful adjustment to altered circumstances. So why this is important is because it's sharing with us that metabolism isn't damaged when it's altered. 
by decreasing the amount of calories you're eating or being in a body weight that's too low for your body, yes, it does alter your metabolism, but it doesn't damage it to the point where it cannot be put back to the levels that it was at before. And a lot of reverse dieting claims and theories make it sound like reverse dieting is the only way to quote-unquote fix your damaged metabolism. Now, I know that that's a little bit confusing, so I'm going to elucidate this through the description of sweating, and you can find this description as well in Eric's article. He talks about if you spend a lot of time in or live in a hot environment, your body would adapt to be able to sweat more efficiently. You would begin to sweat more often and with more sweat because sweating more helps you cool your body down and you sweat become and your sweat becomes more dilute over time to help preserve your body's minerals and electrolytes. If you were to remove yourself from this environment and not be exposed to so much heat on a regular basis, this adaptation would reverse. You would not sweat as much as quickly, and your sweat would no longer be as diluted. With these physiological adaptations, there is no permanent damage that is done. It is simply a response to a certain stimuli. You remove the stimuli, and the adaptation reverses. So I hope this analogy helps to understand why this is telling us that the claims that extended periods of dieting damage your metabolism irreversibly are not true. Now, this study does not touch on the effectiveness of reverse dieting versus just an overall increase in calories, aka you're just going back to eating more without any sort of rhyme or reason or way that you're increasing. And again, there are not studies that discuss this specifically, but Eric Trexler, who I've been referencing in terms of this article, is one of the first people to even discuss reverse dieting at all in a scientific setting. So he did some peer reviews, and then he actually did an actual study on this where he looked at physique athletes in their recovery after a competition, and they didn't manipulate what they did. So they didn't necessarily tell someone, okay, you have to do reverse dieting or tell someone you have to do uh, this specific route of rapid increase. So he just observed it. He didn't have those two case control groups, but they did have athletes that chose a more aggressive route and then others that chose a less aggressive route. And from these different observations, they were able to take away three main findings. Number one, that metabolic rate is partially restored by eliminating the energy deficit, which does not require reverse dieting. This is important to keep in mind for a few reasons. Number one, because a lot of those reverse dieting tactics don't actually put people into a positive energy balance or even a neutral energy balance. So they could be prolonging all this time to try to get to a neutral like maintenance energy balance, aka them eating enough food, and therefore the metabolism is continually being negatively affected because they're still in that negative energy balance or that energy deficit. Now number two, the remainder of metabolic rate restoration 
was associated with weight gain. This is directly opposed by most of the reverse dieting strategies, especially because they talked about the fact that fat gain is actually important in this case. Now, if you remember, all of those physique athletes and bodybuilders and bikini competitors are trying to avoid this. They don't want it to happen. But what this is saying is that it's necessary for your body. And there's so much that I could go into just with this point, but I think the most important thing that I really want to drive home here is the idea of set point weight and also necessary body fat percentages. There are so many people out there that want to be able to tell their body what weight they want it to be at or tell their body the percent of body fat they want it to be at. But when we don't have enough body fat, our body will be negatively affected by it. And it doesn't matter if you like it or not, that is the case. So in order to have your metabolism rate increased, you do not have the luxury of trying to manipulate the way that that occurs and the percentage of fat that you want it to be or the weight that you want it to be. You have to be able to allow your body to get back to the place that it wants to be at. So That, again, directly opposes the reverse dieting strategies because that's what they're trying to avoid. Now, number three is that weight will be regained when a weight-reduced individual establishes positive energy balance, which directly questions the effectiveness of most of the reverse dieting approaches that aim to minimize this. And again, The main thing that they're talking about within weight is the gain of fat, and this is what people are trying to avoid when they are in these physique competitions, but this is saying and showing that your body, again, is saying, nope, I need to have this in order to be able to regain my metabolism or put it back to the levels that it used to be before. And regardless, I am going to work to do that when I'm in positive energy balance because I need to to be effectively and efficiently working. So when you look at these results, without diving too much into it, they pretty much debunk the entire basis for reverse dieting. These three points disprove every theoretical backbone of the concept. So Props to Eric Strexler, very impressive reviews and studies. I would love to see more research studies done on this topic. I definitely understand the challenge of doing these type of research studies, but I think that we can pretty conclusively say from what we do know that there's not promising scientific backing for this. And we can also say that, again, there are not studies on it. And so regardless, we really can't put any merit into this idea. Now, if you want even more information, again, go to that article that I'm referencing that Eric put together. He has even more descriptions and research links and so many other things that go into debunking reverse dieting even more. But for the sake of this podcast and for our timing, I want to go into more of the discussion on this so that you can understand what this all means. 
So in the beginning of this, we discussed how there are kind of three different categories of people that are attracted to this. The physique and bodybuilder competitors that we've talked about a million times. The normal dieter that's tried a lot of different diets and is now attracted to a different technique, most likely for the hope of weight loss or metabolism restoration. And then your person that is struggling with disordered eating or an eating disorder that is wanting to be able to control their food and body still while they try to recover. Now, with this information, we can pretty much unanimously say that reverse dieting is not something I would suggest for any of these people. Now, the reasoning for that is because Whenever I am suggesting something to a client or whenever I am looking into something as a practitioner, I am always wanting to make sure that there is research, not just anecdotal claims. Because an anecdotal claim is a risk. You would be going through all of these challenges of reverse dieting without any actual backing or promise that it's going to work or do any of the things that it says it's going to do. So to me, that doesn't really seem like it makes a lot of sense, especially when there are other techniques out there that people can utilize that are much more research-backed and have a lot of evidence. For example, intuitive eating. Yes, I know that a lot of people in the physique world or bodybuilding world are not going to want to do intuitive eating, and the whole bodybuilding, physique, bikini competitor world is is too big of a conversation to get into on this episode. But for someone that has been dieting forever or for someone that's in recovery, although their initial goal may not be intuitive eating for so many reasons, you know, they may not have hunger and fullness cues, they may have to work to be more used to eating more, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. As an end goal, intuitive eating can give them many of the things that they're looking for. It can give them a efficient metabolism that is no longer damaged. It can give them the ability to not have to think about food all of the time and to feel like they can have confidence in their eating habits and their body. It can get them out of the dieting cycle. It can have them eating more food and not feeling like they're restricting. So all of these different positives can come about from different techniques. So it would kind of bring up the question of then why are people even looking to reverse dieting as a solution? And I think a lot of that comes down to this best of both worlds idea. People want to be able to stay in this very specific type of body while also having more freedom or more flexibility with what they eat and not having any of those really icky physiological symptoms that we talked about earlier. And I completely understand why there is that draw to that. I see it in the case of the bodybuilder where they don't want to have to take such severe action in the future in order to get back to their composition weight. I see it in the aspects of the dieter that is just exhausted and wants to be able to eat more food and still be in a body that they want. And I see it for the people that are in recovery that have this 
idea that they can still hold a level of control around how they look and around what they eat while quote-unquote recovering. But the truth is, not only is it not the case that reverse dieting can do that, it's also not the case that this is necessarily helpful to any of those people. To start off, for the person in fitness that's trying to do this, they could still continually be keeping their metabolism at a lower rate because of the fact that they aren't getting to a positive energy balance, which is what in turn actually changes your metabolism initially, and because of the fact that they are avoiding any body composition changes such as fat regain even though it's needed, which is the other way that they're able to increase their metabolism. So in avoiding both of those things, they're not actually helping their metabolism to get back to the place that it was before. But then even furthermore, you really have to question why there is so much fear around the body composition changes and if it's really healthy for these people to feel such pressure to not eat enough. And also... Is it really healthy for them to be in such prolonged states of under eating? Because reverse dieting, you know, you're increasing it slowly but surely, but oftentimes you're still underneath the amount that you need for multiple weeks and months even. And then you're going back into a competition to go way down. And so they may never even be reaching an amount that's enough for them. And so what are the effects of this on hormones, menstrual cycle, mental health, physical health? I mean, there's so many potential challenges that come about. Yes, from bodybuilding and physique training in general, which I, again, said we can't really get into, but even just from using reverse dieting, instead of just allowing yourself to fully allow whatever it is that you want to eat and jumping right back into that positive energy balance and allowing your body to change, at least in that case, regardless of if we believe in doing bodybuilding or not, This person has more time that they are spending in a place where their body physically feels better and where they are getting enough food, which no matter what, no matter which angle you look at it, is going to be better for this person, 100%. Plus, I feel like it kind of makes this person, it kind of sets this person up for failure in the sense of the fact that this doesn't really work. And so I just wonder, you know, what they're kind of looking for as the outcome. And if it's not working, is it really, and if there's not research behind it, why are they still doing it? You know, is it actually because they're just so afraid of that weight regain or what's going on there? You know, I can't speculate for each person, but that is something that comes to my mind. Now for the second person, let's talk about the person that is dieting and wants to go for this? Well, there is a whole host of challenges. They may not have been calorie counting and someone that's trying to get them to engage in reverse dieting will probably want them calorie counting. It holds empty promises that might lead them to feeling disappointed or that they or like they somewhat failed reverse dieting because they will gain weight over time. And if 
they're being promised that by doing this quote-unquote correctly, they will lose weight. That's just really not accurate. And also, this is still a way of holding a lot of control around what you eat. You know, it's not this sustainable way of eating that is free or void of obsessive thoughts or of continuous laborious actions around food like intuitive eating. You're having to count. You're having to fixate on the foods you're eating. You're having to exercise all this amount of control over the things that you're having. And that's not freedom. I mean, that's not relaxing. And so even that in itself kind of brings up the question of, you know, how is this going to be helpful for this person in the long run? And what's the end goal of this? You know, when do they stop and what do they do when they stop with reverse dieting if they're not doing competitions or something of that of that sort? sort. And then I also just think that you have to keep in mind how long it could take for this person to come out of the restriction that they were experiencing and also how long it could take for them to come out of the mindset that they were experiencing. A lot of people that are dieters, even if they don't resonate with disordered eating, have very altered mindsets around food and around amounts of food. And the reverse dieting mindset does not account for that at all. It doesn't discuss any of the ways that someone may struggle with increasing calories. It doesn't discuss any of the types of foods that they may be obsessing over and kind of orthorexic tendencies that could come about, it doesn't doesn't talk about any of that. So with all of that in mind, even if the research didn't disprove that, it's going to bring up a lot of other questions as to how this would actually be helpful for someone that is coming out of dieting. Now, let's go into recovery because the fact that this has fallen into the realm of disordered eating recovery or eating disorders is super scary. And I see why someone that may not have a professional that can help guide them through this could look at this and want to engage in it or think that this is a good way of going about it. And sadly, there are even accounts online that market themselves towards girls with eating disorders and say that this is a way to recover. There was even a Cosmopolitan article that I came about when researching for this that was saying that, which is just so crazy. But to dive into more about why this is not helpful, I actually want to start with an analogy. So stick with me as I go through this. If you've never been on a bike before, training wheels seem like a great idea. They make you feel safe. They make you feel secure. You don't really feel like you can fall off the bike per se. But at the same time, learning how to bike with training wheels isn't the same as learning how to bike on a bike without training wheels. They don't teach you how to do that. If you were to go from being on a bike with training wheels to going onto a bike without training wheels, you could very easily just fall over or have no idea how to to ride it. And yes, over time, you can learn it, right? You may fall off a few times. You may struggle with finding the momentum to stay upright. But when you start practicing on that bike with two wheels without the training wheels, you can slowly but surely learn. This is important because of the fact that using the training wheels is very similar 
to using a concept like reverse dieting. Reverse dieting is just another way to keep control on your body, to not get over the fear of weight gain, to practice really restrictive techniques around amounts of food and types of food, and telling yourself that you're recovering when you're actually not. You're just riding a bike with training wheels with no intention of going to a bike without those training wheels. And you really ideally just need to jump on that bike without the training wheels and start it off. Now, in saying this, I'm not trying to make anybody that has been engaging in reverse dieting feel bad. It's still a huge win that you had the desire to start recovery, and it's a huge win as well that you have started to increase the amount that you're eating. But I don't want you to believe what you see online about people saying that this is a method for achieving recovery because it's just not. It's not true in any way, shape, or form other than the idea that increasing calories is helpful. That's literally the only thing. And Again, even if the research did prove reverse dieting, it doesn't have any space. It shouldn't have any space in the anti-diet and recovery realm because of so many reasons. Number one, you cannot recover from an eating disorder or disordered eating with the goal of not gaining weight. It just doesn't happen. One of the most important hallmarks of recovery is being able to step away from caring about your weight and becoming neutral to your body. So if you're focused on not gaining weight the whole time or only gaining muscle or maintaining a certain body composition, that's just not going to end up in recovery. The second thing is recovering from disordered eating and finding more food freedom is being able to step away from calorie counting and tracking. You want to get to the space where you can sit down at a meal or pick up a snack and not have a single number even cross your mind. And if you're actively focusing on this gradual increase of calories, that's going to entail counting calories. And so you might not have to count calories super carefully in order to increase over time, but even the loosely or mentally gauging your caloric and caloric intake is not helpful in recovery. It's never going to put you into a place where you can have that full freedom because it's still instilling those same ideals. And lastly, or third, a huge part of recovery is relearning how to trust your body and letting it drive the bus. Within the concept of reverse dieting, what do you do when you're hungry, hungrier on a certain day? than you've been before? Or what do you do if the amount that you're having isn't really satisfying you mentally or physically? Are you supposed to ignore that increase in hunger for the sake of not increasing calories too fast? That's what reverse dieting would tell you. It tells you there's a daily allowance and that you're not supposed to go over it. And this is only going to further create distrust and distrust in your body. And if you can't learn to listen to and engage with hunger cues, if you can't learn to eat consistently and have snacks and know that your needs are going to change every single day, 
it's going to be near impossible to even start to restore those hunger cues that you're having or those fullness cues. And it's just going to create more distance and distrust with your relationship with your body, with food, and so many other things. And not to mention, this is during an extremely vulnerable time. When you are going through this process of healing your relationship with food or body image or exercise or going through recovery, you're wanting to treat your body with as much kindness as possible and with as little fixation as possible on all of these other control mechanisms. And this idea directly goes against that. So even if reverse dieting was proven, which it's not based off of what you've learned, it still would never be beneficial for anyone in recovery. And to add in some of my personal opinion, I don't think reverse dieting is ever useful for anybody. I think it's a waste of time. I don't think that it's good for your relationship with food. I don't think it's good for your body. I don't think that it's beneficial at all. I think it is one of those concepts that came about theoretically to help appease people's discomforts with weight gain and or hack the system in terms of bodybuilding compositions and people took it and they ran with it and they marketed it in a specific way and they're now making money off of it and there's reverse dieting coaches and people that give you plans and all of these anecdotal reports that people share around reverse dieting that in actuality are really just from their body rejoicing and singing from the rooftops how happy it is that it's finally got in some freaking food instead of being forced to be at a body size that's way too low for it or at a calorie amount that's really unsustainable and unhealthy. If you are considering doing reverse dieting or if you're doing it right now, I can't give you exact tips for how to stop it or what you should do because I don't know your whole situation and I don't know what angle you're coming at this podcast from. But what I will say is that typically what we've seen from clients that are utilizing these tactics is that the sooner that you stop subscribing to these techniques and the more quickly that you allow your body to start to eat as much as it needs and get to a point in your body that is more sustainable and healthy in terms of weight. And in my opinion, because I come from a non-diet perspective and someone that promotes healthy relationships with food, the more that you can stop trying to control the way that you eat through calorie restriction, over-exercising, macro counting, only eating certain types of foods, etc., etc., the better. Because this crap just is, it's horrible for you. I mean, that's just, that's just the simplistic answer. So if you are in this space and you want support and working out of this, the best suggestion I have is applying to my program, Live Unrestricted. We work with a lot of people that struggle with this mindset, that are calorie counters, that have come from the fitness world or the physique world, that are struggling with the ideas of metabolism and subpoint weight. We go over all of that in the program. We give you the goals that you need in order to progress out of this, not only physically, 
with food and exercise, but also mentally in terms of wrapping your head around how to improve your body image and accept yourself. So that is definitely what I would suggest if you do need some more support with this. But I feel like the biggest takeaway that I have around reverse dieting is just, it's yet another freaking concept in wellness that just got picked up and pushed with really good marketing. And now no one really questions it, even though it has no research behind it. And it's just exhausting. I just can't believe how often that is the case with these topics that we discuss. Oh, goodness. I feel like it's only appropriate to do our diet culture ranking from a scale of 0 to 10. If you're new here, 0 is not diet culture at all. 10 is the most diet culture possible. To be honest, I think that reverse dieting is a 9, 9.5 even. I think that's one of the highest ratings I've ever given. And I think the reasoning for that is because the whole concept is motivated by preventing weight gain, preventing eating enough food, and also by still controlling your food. And that just directly contradicts a non-diet haze-oriented mindset. So inherently, it's so diet culture-y because nothing about it could be separated from diet culture. When you look at the intention behind it, when you look at the way that it's gone about. I mean, you just can't get that much more diet culture than that, but I feel like a 10 has to be for something else. Like, it can't be a full 10. Like, a 10 has to be most diet culture ever. So, I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you have any questions on this, please feel free to shoot me a DM or you can submit that via the link below where you can submit podcast topics. You can also submit questions. If you do have any podcast topics you want to see, I always love your guys' suggestions. If you enjoyed this episode, it would mean so much if you left a rating or a review and if you shared it with someone as well, if you think someone may benefit from it. Thank you guys for being here and I can't wait to see you next week.